Dipshit Files number 32. I'm Mr. Scriptkeeper. And I'm Mrs. Scriptkeeper. And we have delved once again back into the realm of true crime. Yes, we have. And we've got a hell of a fucking guy. Yep. Jesus. This guy's annoying. Why? This guy just fucking Evil. irritated me. <laughs> Evil. His Piss, name, pissed me off. His name is Carl. Carl. Carl Watts. Carl Eugene Watts, yes. And they called him the Sunday morning slasher. Yeah. But he basically just hated all women. Yep. And made it his life's mission to punish women for their very existence. Yep. I've he never heard it. He just wanted, he just because they were breathing, really. Yeah. What a cunt. You fucking asshole. Huge dipshit. Yep. Let's open up this dipshit file on Carl, the piece of shit, Watts. <laughs> dipshit. Uh, files. Dipshit. Uh, files. Dipshit. Carl Eugene Watts developed a hatred of women and just felt the need to cause them harm and would do so in every way possible, from physical attacks to murder. Mm. He didn't have any other motive than just to harm young women over the course of eight years and in two states. He assaulted and murdered dozens of women just because he wanted to. Mm. Fucking ridiculous. Carl. On May 23rd, 1982, 19-year-old Lori Lister was walking from her car to her apartment when a man jumped out of the bushes and grabbed her from behind. He put his large hands around her neck and squeezed. He asked, where do you live? Lori nervously pointed to an apartment on the second floor. The man asked, is there anyone else there? Lori shook her head no, but that was a lie. Lori had a roommate who was in the apartment that morning, and she might have thought she was protecting her by telling the man no, but she would be wrong. Mm. Shit. The man squeezed Lori's neck until she lost consciousness, and she was dropped to the ground. He tucked her body under the stairwell, took her keys, and went up the stairs to the apartment that Lori had indicated. He unlocked the door, and when he went inside, he found 18-year-old Melinda Aguilar mm. getting ready for church. Melinda yelled out for Lori, but the man grabbed her and told her he'd kill her if she screamed. He pushed her into a bedroom and began strangling her. Yes. Melinda didn't know what to do, but she knew she didn't want to die, so she pretended to lose consciousness. The man used a belt to tie her ankles and a wire coat hanger to tie her wrists behind her back. He went back outside and dragged Lori upstairs and into the apartment. He dragged her into the bathroom and began filling the bathtub. Meanwhile, Melinda, who was really still conscious, watched as the man dragged her roommate into the bathroom and clapped his hands, giggling with joy at his own handiwork. Wow. While the intruder had his attention on Lori, Melinda managed to make it to the sliding glass door in her room. She got it open and jumped from the balcony. She would say later in an interview that if she was going to die, she'd rather kill herself than have him kill her. Fortunately, the fall from the second story wasn't too bad. Despite her landing on the concrete, mm -hmm. due to the adrenaline, she was able to get up right away and ran to another unit where she saw a neighbor on her porch drinking coffee. Wow. That woman dialed 911 and soon two Houston police officers responded. Inside... The man had filled the tub and was in the process of drowning Lori. Wow. He went to the bedroom to check on Melinda, and when he saw she was missing, he looked out the open sliding glass door and saw two police cruisers parked outside. The attacker bolted from the apartment and ran down the stairs past the officers. The younger of the two officers ran after him while the older one raced back to the cruiser to call for backup. A resident from a downstairs apartment ran upstairs to find Lori in the bathtub unconscious. Yes. She pulled the young woman out of the water and began giving her CPR. Soon, Lori began coughing up water and was breathing again wow. as the officers chased the man who had attacked the two women. He turned around and tried to run down the side of the apartment building towards his parked car, but eventually ran into a dead end. The officer pointed his service revolver at the man and ordered him to the ground. The man complied. The man in custody was Carl Eugene Watts, mm. who went by the name Coral. 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 As he Coral. sat in an interrogation room in the Houston police station, investigators realized that this was not an isolated incident. 
Sitting in front of them was a man who had killed multiple women over almost a decade. Hmm. Carl Eugene Watts was born November 7th, 1953 in Killeen, Texas. His parents, Richard and Dorothy May Watts, had married a year earlier in West Virginia. But due to Richard's military career, they were moved to Fort Hood, Texas. Just a few days after Coral was born, the family moved back to Colwood, West Virginia, where they had a daughter they named Sharon just a year later. Not long after, Richard left Dorothy and the kids, though no reason has ever been published, at least not that I could find. Dorothy packed up and moved to the small town of Inkster, Michigan, a suburb of Detroit. There, she took a job as a high school art teacher and did her best to raise her two kids on her own. Returning to West Virginia to visit his grandmother and cousins was where Carl got his nickname. The accent of the Appalachian area made his family draw out his name when they spoke it, and the boy liked it. So he told his mother he wanted to change it from Carl to Coral from that point on, and that's what he was called. Though Coral struggled in school, he spent extra time on homework and managed to get good grades early on. In 1961, when Coral was eight years old, both he and his sister got meningitis, which is an inflammation of the membrane around the brain. It's reported that Dorothy took both kids to Detroit General Hospital, and they admitted Sharon, but wouldn't see Coral. Supposedly, they didn't even give her a reason. Sharon was treated for bacterial meningitis and recovered quickly. Dorothy had taken her son to a different hospital, where his meningitis actually got worse. Mm. And they discovered that he was also suffering from polio. Due to the illnesses, he missed almost an entire third grade year, and his school performance just never recovered. Once he was released from the hospital, he would complain about not being able to remember things. After Coral recovered from both meningitis and polio, Dorothy met and married a mechanic named Norman Caesar. Norman already had six children, and he and Dorothy would go on to have two of their own. That filled the house with two adults and ten children, and Coral started to get lost in the shuffle. There's a story. (laughs) Of a lovely lady. She was trying to get the fuck out of that house. (laughs) Drinking too much, doing lots of drugs. This turned the boy inward, and his sister described him as being very quiet and shy. She also said that there was no abuse of any kind of the children uh, by their mother or their stepfather. One thing she thinks affected Coral was his tendency to hold in his emotions. It would take a lot to upset him, but when he got upset, everything that was bottled up would explode. Coral made up for his lack of academics with school sports. He excelled at football and baseball and ran the 100-yard high hurdles on the track team. He also boxed, which got him a middleweight Golden Glove title. Nice. Unfortunately, Coral didn't take losing well, and after he was knocked out the first time, he quit. His behavior began to change when he was a teenager. Coral had a paper route to earn extra money, and on June 25th, 1969, he attacked 60-year-old Joan Grave, Mm. who was one of his regular customers. While he was on his route, he stopped to knock on her door, and when she answered, he just hauled off and punched her in the face. He punched her several times before running off. Mm. The retreat seemed to happen just as suddenly as the attack. Coral didn't flee the area, though. He continued delivering newspapers on his route before going home like nothing had ever happened. Yep. (laughs) Police showed up at his house four days later and arrested the 15-year-old. When they asked him why he did it, he responded, quote, I just felt like beating someone up, end quote. Coral was admitted to the Lafayette Mental Clinic in Detroit and evaluated by a psychiatrist. He told the doctor that he had dreams about beating up women and even killing them. He said he always felt much better after having one of those dreams. Whoa. After weeks of evaluation, the doctor suggested that the boy was an impulsive individual who had a passive-aggressive orientation on life. Mm. He expressed some confusion in thinking when situations became complex. The doctor also said that Coral was, quote, a paranoid young man who was struggling for control of strong homicidal impulses. Mm. 
His behavioral controls are faulty, and there's a high potential for violent acting out. This individual is considered dangerous, end quote. Then he recommended outpatient treatment and released him because... (laughs) Why not? Yeah, get out there. It's not like he was considered extremely dangerous. He was only kind of dangerous, right? Whatever. I'll be fine. Yeah. So now Coral was free to do as he pleased, but at least he was getting outpatient treatment, right? Uh, No. (laughs) Not by the sound of it. Well, from 1969 to 1974, Coral went back to the Lafayette Mental Clinic for outpatient treatments less than 10 times. So, no, he wasn't getting treatment. What he was doing was playing sports and experimenting with drugs. His mother helped him enough with his schoolwork that he was able to graduate from high school, and he got a football scholarship from Lane College in Jackson, Tennessee. But he injured his knee before he was ever able to even play a game. Been there. He dropped out of college three months later. Well, yeah, but you're not running around killing people. I didn't. um, Not really. Right. Just a couple. So he dropped out of college three months later. Coral returned to Michigan, where he enrolled in an engineering program at Western Michigan University. He lived on campus and worked in the cafeteria, but the freedom he had on campus gave him time to think about his dreams of killing women. Murder. Fuck. So on, o- oh. on October 25th, 1974, Coral knocked on the door of WMU student Lenore Nazaki. When she answered the door, keeping the chain secured, Coral asked if Charles was home. The young woman explained that he must have the wrong address, and the man turned around and left. About ten minutes later, he returned and asked for Charles again. Mm. Lenore offered to take a message for Charles, and she unhooked the chain and turned to get a piece of paper and pen. When she did, Coral lunged at her and knocked her to the floor. Fuck. He put his knee on her chest and began strangling her. Ah. Soon, she lost consciousness, but she would later say that she would barely see him walking away as everything turned black. He left her there and just fucking walked away. Whoa. A few days later, tenants at a different apartment complex complained that they saw Carl or Coral loitering around the complex and knocking on various doors asking for Charles. Nobody knows who Charles was outside of it being the name of one of his siblings. Yikes. He's like, well, this works. Right. Just keep doing that. Five days later, on October 30th, 1974, Coral was seen walking up the stairs to 19-year-old student Gloria Steele's apartment. The witness watched the man knock on the door, and when Gloria asked through the door what he wanted... He said, I'm looking for Charles. The woman asked, why are you here? To which Coral responded, I don't know, before he turned and walked down the stairs. Shit, Carl. But later that day, at about 1.40 p.m., Gloria's body was discovered inside her apartment. Shit. She had been stabbed 33 times in the chest with what many people have reported was a screwdriver, but it was actually a wood carving tool, more like a a chisel. The tip of the tool had broken off and was lodged in her spine. Oh, man. She also had a crushed trachea. An autopsy revealed that she had not been sexually assaulted, and investigators determined that nothing had been taken from her apartment. So... Ultimately, they decided the murder was strictly done out of rage. During the investigation, detectives claimed that family members had cleaned up the scene and moved the body, which destroyed evidence. However, the family says that's just not true. It's unknown what exactly happened, and I couldn't find any opinions um, on whether or not the killer may have moved the body or attempted to clean up. So that's, you know where we're at okay the police claim that this is why they had no physical evidence from this crime scene two more weeks would pass and on november 12th 23 year old diane williams was working as an apartment manager in the complex where she lived she noticed a man wandering around the complex asking for guess who charles and soon he ended up at her door like lenore she suggested he leave a message for this charles and presented him with a piece of paper and a pen. He snatched the paper out of her hand and forced himself into the apartment. There, he began strangling her, and she fought with all her might. 
Luckily, though, her phone started ringing and she managed to knock the receiver off the hook and started screaming for help. Her husband's secretary was the one who was calling and she could hear the screams over the phone. This scared Coral off and Diane watched out the window as he got into a tan Pontiac Grand Prix. Hmm. Diane called the police with the vehicle information and they were able to create a lineup of eight men who matched the physical description and drove that specific vehicle. Both Diane and Lenore were able to pick Coral out of the lineup. He was arrested and charged with the two assaults and admitted to being in the area when Gloria Steele was murdered, but denied killing her. Hmm. He even offered to take a polygraph, but then he asked for a lawyer and it never happened. He was released the same day pending an investigation, Ah. right? In December, police searched his residence and did find some carving tools, but nothing that matched the weapon from the murder. Before his trial for assault charges, Coral was evaluated again at the Center for Forensic Psychiatry in Ann Arbor. Mm. There, the doctor found him to be competent to stand trial and stated, quote, This patient is clearly dangerous and his potential for recidivist behavior is great, end quote. Mm. So for those of you who don't know, recidivism is the tendency for a criminal to reoffend. Yep. So Coral went on to plead no contest to both assault charges and received a one-year jail sentence. Mm. When he was released from the county jail, Coral moved back to Inkster, where he moved in with his mother and stepfather. He also met a young woman named Dolores Howard, who would end up having his first child, a daughter. Coral didn't really do much to support the child, not even admitting it was his, and eventually he took off. What Dolores didn't know was that Coral had actually married another woman about six months after the baby was born. Shit. Coral had met Valeria Goodwill at a disco club and got married in August of 1979. Valeria, though, soon realized that Coral was not the man of her dreams. He eventually lost his job as a mechanic at a trucking company and didn't make any effort to get a new one. He became erratic and slovenly. She said that most of the times after they had sex, he would just leave the house and be gone for hours. During these nighttime excursions, it turned out that Coral was breaking into women's homes. They would report waking up to a man in their bedroom, touching them inappropriately. Mm. And it was dark enough that none of the victims could positively identify Coral. It was only one year before Valeria threw in the towel and left him. After that, he went on a killing spree that would run the next two years. On October 8th, 1979, 22-year-old Peggy Pokmora was found strangled to death in the front yard of her boyfriend's neighbor's house. Just a couple of weeks later, on October 31st, 44-year-old Jean Klein was stabbed 13 times and left outside of her home. Now get this, people walked by her body all night long, assuming that she was just a gory Halloween decoration. On December 1st, Joseph Foy looked out his window and saw 36-year-old Helen Dutcher struggling with a man before he slashed and stabbed her 12 times. Joseph called the police and he was able to create a sketch of the man uh, who looked very much like Coral Watts. As 1980 arrived, some of the murders began happening in the early morning hours on Sundays. 17-year-old Shirley Small's body was found on April 20th on a sidewalk near her house with a stab wound to the heart and six slices on her face. On July 13th, 26-year-old Glenda Richmond was found dead right in front of the door of her apartment. She had been stabbed 28 times in the chest with a screwdriver. Dude. 20-year-old Rebecca Huff was found dead outside of her apartment complex on September 14th. She had been stabbed 54 times with a screwdriver. Wow. Due to these three murders happening on Sundays, and despite there being five other murders that happened on other days of the week, the Ann Arbor Press began calling the attacker the Sunday morning slasher Uh, because you wouldn't want to report on horrible crimes without giving... The murder, a fucking catchy name. Slasher. Good God. Fucking dumb. On October 6, 1980, which was a Monday, Sandra Dalp was walking home from night school in Windsor, Ontario, when she was attacked on the street by a man matching Coral's description. 
She was stabbed multiple times in the back and her face had been slashed. Mm. She watched as the man ran off and got into a tan Pontiac Grand Prix. United States Customs reported that Coral's vehicle was photographed driving back into the U.S. at 2.25 a.m. the following morning. On November 1st, 30-year-old Mary Angus was returning home when a man rushed towards her as she was almost to her front door. She turned around and screamed as loud as she could, and it scared Coral off. U.S. Customs reported that Coral's vehicle had been photographed crossing back into the U.S. at 1.07 a.m. that morning, just over 30 minutes after he attempted the attack. Just five days later, 63-year-old Lynna Bennett's body was found hanging by a trench coat from a beam inside her garage. She was naked and had been sexually assaulted with a broom handle. This was the first time any sexual act had been done by Coral. On November 15th, Coral was following a young woman in his car. She noticed that he was following her, and she ran around a corner, but he caught up. Then she started walking the other direction, but Coral flipped around and kept following. Finally, the young woman darted into an apartment building and lost the predator in the shadows. Coral was furious. And he even jumped out of his car and ran around looking for the woman. What Coral didn't know was that two patrol officers were watching him the entire time. When he got back to his car, the officers were waiting for him. But Coral ran off during the chase. He was able to double back and jump into his car, speeding away. The officers had no problem catching up with him. And Coral was arrested for expired tags and driving uh, with an, a suspended license. Mm. When they searched his car, they found a dictionary with the name Rebecca carved into the cover. Hmm. Rebecca Huff was murdered in September. And they also found some wood carving tools and some blood. As soon as the detectives entered the room, Coral asked for a lawyer. They didn't have enough evidence to hold him on anything, so once again, the killer was free to go. Yeah, so at this time, though, the police began a major surveillance campaign on their suspect. They watched him 24 hours a day when they could, Hmm. (laughs) which I thought that was kind of funny. He's believed to have attempted to attack another woman in Ontario, but she scared him away, and there's no evidence that connected the attack to Coral. It wasn't long before he became aware of this surveillance, so he began staying home more. The police eventually put a tracker on his car, but it didn't lead them to any evidence. One thing they did notice, however, was that the attacks in the area had stopped in the two months they had been watching him. Hmm. Investigators brought him in for another round of interrogation, but Coral refused to talk, so the detective did his best to keep pressure on the suspect after he was released. He would pop up at random times asking Coral to talk. He would follow him to the grocery store just to make sure that he knew that he was being watched. On March 10th, 1981, this was the last time anyone in Michigan would see Coral Watts for quite some time. Coral didn't even tell his mother that he was leaving. Hmm. He headed to West Virginia first and visited his grandmother where he asked for money. After a few days, he headed out of West Virginia and ended up in Houston, Texas. He got a job as a mechanic at a coastal transport company, and then he went back to Michigan to get his car. On April 8th, 1981, detectives in Michigan sent a 19-page report on Coral Watts to the Houston Police Department. Sure, it was great read. <laughs> Coral was immediately on their radar. Coral spent almost six months in Houston and then in a town called Columbus, about 70 miles west of Houston. But it wasn't long before the Houston police stopped watching Coral as closely. Besides one detective named Doug Bostock, who would check up on him from time to time, the city just didn't have the resources. Hmm. In the 1980s, Houston was named the murder capital of the world, a title that had coincidentally it had stolen from Detroit. (laughs) If Coral wanted to get lost in a sea of crime, he was picking the right cities to do it in. It was Coral's fault, I think. (laughs) On September 5th, 1981, Coral had had enough of lying low and began following a young woman driving through Houston. Linda Tilly was a 22-year-old art student at the University of Texas at Austin and was starting her 160-mile trip from Houston to her new apartment in Austin. Mm. Coral followed her the entire way. 
He followed her to her apartment and grabbed her from behind. She fought with everything she had, and soon both of them actually fell into the apartment complex's pool. Coral was then able to hold Linda underwater until she drowned. Dude. Then he climbed back out of the pool and drove all the way back home. When Linda's body was discovered the next day, she was fully clothed and there was no sign of a struggle. A toxicology report showed that she had been drinking, so the death was ruled an accidental drowning. Five days after killing Linda, Coral attended a local church service where he met Sheila Williams and the two started dating. Only three days later, Coral attacked a woman who was walking her dogs just after midnight. He stabbed 25-year-old Elizabeth Montgomery in the chest, striking her heart and killing her. Hmm. Not even 30 minutes later, Coral had followed another young woman home from the grocery store to her apartment just a few miles away from where he had just murdered Elizabeth. As 22-year-old Susie Wolf walked from her car to her apartment... Coral grabbed her and stabbed her nine times in the chest. Then he turned and disappeared. Susie died on the pavement just outside of her apartment. Detective Bostock was still trying to track Coral's movements, but he eventually bought another vehicle, making that task even harder. In October of 1981, he bought a blue 1976 Dodge van with cash. Now, he had the perfect serial killer van. Yeah, he did. Detective Bostock was able to put a tracking device on Coral's Pontiac in November, but he quickly found it and took it off. Hmm. On January 4th, 1982, 27-year-old Ellen Tam got up and went out for her usual three-mile jog around Rice University in Houston. Another jogger saw Ellen running at about 6.15 a.m., but an hour and a half later... Her body was found hanging from a low tree branch with her own tube top. What? She was otherwise fully clothed, wearing tights, a sweatshirt, and a jacket. There was no sign of a struggle, so her death was ruled a suicide. What? Right? You know, like she just went out for a jog, and she got home, and I guess decided to hang herself. With her shirt? Right. With her own tube top. Yeah. Her family members knew that she would not have committed suicide, and they eventually convinced the medical examiner to change the cause of death. He ultimately wrote, quote, The available evidence indicates her cause of death was either a freak accident or a clever, cunning, and opportunistic homicide. End quote. From dumb fuck of the year? Right. No. The, the medical examiner mm. was trying to be facetious, but oh, okay. <laughs> the, the death would I'm turn... I'm the dumb fuck of the year. Sorry, my bad. The death would turn out to be the latter. So it would eventually come out to be homicide. But not very I just clever. can't believe... It wasn't clever, though. <clears throat> no, but I can't believe the medical examiner was poking fun like that. That's, okay, that's what was happening, though? That's terrible. Threw me off a little bit. So, yeah, well, let me... Ultimately, he wrote... The available evidence indicates her cause of death was either a freak accident right. or a clever, cunning, and opportunistic homicide. I mean, it's just dumb. Okay. And that's a joke. It's he's, a, being, he's being facetious. He's I, being a fucking smart ass. I like comedy. I spend time in the world of comedy. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, my sensors didn't go off. He's a medical examiner. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't expecting You don't either. go to the morgue for comedy typically. Fuck that guy. In, in January, Coral killed two more women and stabbed another three times, but she survived. On the same day as one of the murders, he also slit a young woman's throat. Jesus, fuck, man. What the hell, dude? <laughs> but she All also killing. <clears throat> she also survived. On March 27th, Coral attacked two more women on the same day. At this point, this is his weekend plans every weekend. <sighs> I know, it's terrible. It's fucking terrible, indeed. 34-year-old Ann Ledette left her house at 4.30 in the morning to go for a jog. While she was out, Coral grabbed her and stabbed her 17 times in the chest killing her dude not long after and still covered in ann's blood coral spotted a young woman named glenda kirby walking down the street and he tried to grab her this but, guy is hold on real quick this guy's literally just stalking yeah, the streets yes like a, with blood on him yep and a crazed look in his eye and people mm-hmm. are like wow oh, right probably well, contact he, somebody there that's not my business no shit so he tried to gl- grab glenda but the blood on his hands was too slippery Fuck. and she was able to break free She managed to get to safety where she called the police, but she wasn't able to give much of a description of her attacker. Covered in blood. Yeah, pretty much. Coral attacked three more women in March and three more in April. 
On May 22nd, Michelle Midday had been out drinking and she caught the eye of Coral, who followed her home. As she walked to her apartment, Coral approached her from behind, which, you know, she may have sensed because she turned around and was going to say something. But this man grabbed her neck and strangled her until she was unconscious. Coral used her keys to unlock the door and laid her on the living room floor. He stripped off her clothes and placed her in the bathtub. He plugged the drain and let the water fill up over Michelle's head. He would later tell the police that he did this so her spirit wouldn't escape. Fuck. It was something he seemed to enjoy because... Sadistic the, as fuck. Yeah. Well, it was something he seemed to enjoy because the very next day, he would attempt to kill Lori Lister the same way. Hmm. Uh, that's the story we started this episode with. Yeah. But he failed and was caught in the act. Uh, it would be a slam dunk case because Coral Watts had been caught red-handed, right? Yes. Yeah, for this crime, yes. Not so far uh, getting him <clears throat> in the jail for I very mean, long, it's though. ridiculous. But the prosecutor, actually, he didn't think he'd be able to make any of the murder charges stick. Why? <laughs> so he offered Coral a deal to plead guilty to aggravated burglary and attempted murder Whoa. in exchange for information about his other murder victims. The prosecutor was certain that they would never be able to get a conviction with the lack of evidence they had, and this way they could at least close the cases. Mm. The state of Michigan refused to be part of this plea deal, though. Out of Michigan. So any crimes he confessed to in that state, he would be charged with. Out of Michigan. None of the victims' families or the surviving victims were consulted regarding this plea deal. And it's safe to say that most of them were pretty pissed off about it. When the deal was published in the news, the citizens of Houston weren't happy either. Right, probably not. But it was too late, though. The deal was done. Coral took the deal and confessed to 12 murders with absolute immunity. He was sentenced to the maximum allowable sentence of 60 years with parole eligibility after 20. He admitted to a dozen murders... And could be out of prison in 20 years. Huh. In 1983, no, 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 no. Coral made a feeble effort to escape prison, but was quickly stopped. He spent 15 days in solitary, lost all of his good time credit, and was transferred to a high security unit. One of the conditions of Coral's sentence was that he was not eligible for good time because he was classified as a violent offender. I mean, he strangled two women and attempted to drown one of them. Right. The in, prob pris in prison, though, good time, it's like, well, are you a good prisoner? Right. Well, yeah. the problem was a court of appeals agreed that Coral didn't fit into that category since he didn't use a weapon. Hmm. The prosecutor's he effort... He did, though, a bunch of times. Well... But in this, in this specific case. In these specific cases. So... and. So Carl! I know the prosecutor's effort to get the water in the tub classified as a deadly weapon failed and the violent offender status was lifted. Dude, your hands are a violent weapon if used to well, commit violent crimes. I, I, I know. Apparently you can strangle someone and attempt to drown them. Non violently? And that's, that's not considered violence in <laughs> the eyes a, of Texas courts. This was a non-violent murder. I guess. I mean, <laughs> Fucking Sorry. Nonviolent strangling. This is not a laughing matter. It's frustrating. I'm laughing out of irritation. Yeah, I get it. I so, think we get it. All of us are like, what the? I know. So in 2002, Coral Watts was given a scheduled release date of May 8th, 2006. No. In order to keep a violent serial killer off their streets, the governor of Texas signed extradition papers to send Coral to Michigan, where he would stand <laughs> trial for the murder of Helen Dutcher. They had a witness, Joseph Foy, so they were certain that they would be able to convict Coral of the crime. Hmm. Coral Watts was extradited to Michigan, where he was convicted of the murder of Helen Dutcher. Good. On November 17th, 2004, he was sentenced to life in prison. Finally! Yeah, better. Three years later, in 2007, he was tried and convicted for the 1974 murder of Gloria Steele. Nice. Finally. Now we send him, we put him into a cannon and shoot him to the sun. Well, he died of prostate cancer in prison exactly two months later. Oh, well. Yeah. We could still shoot him into no, the sun. No, no justice at all. We could dig him up and shoot him into the sun <laughs> now. ridiculous. If we want. 
So Coral Watts had no motivation to harm women other than he just wanted to. So fucking weird. He had an uncontrollable urge to kill females and he wasn't able to stop himself. He was the very definition, in my opinion, of a monster. Yeah, a misogynist monster. Yep, That's down. misogyny to its truest form. Well, yeah, down but. to his core. So basically, he was a monster down to his core. There wasn't even any humanity left in him, right. if there ever was. No. But I did want to cover one thing here, and I think it's important, um, especially because of the, the subject matter of uh, this script here that we covered, and this person we covered today. If you're a victim of domestic abuse, please reach out to someone for help. Please talk to your local battered women's shelter or call the National Domestic Abuse Hotline at 1-800-799-SAFE. So that number is 800-799-7233. One thing I also found out is you can go to thehotline.org. It's a website and you can chat with someone online. The great thing about this website I thought this was great. Um, At any time you're chatting with somebody um, and getting assistance, if you hit the escapes key twice, it'll take you to a random Google search page. This way, if your abuser is nearby, you won't get caught looking for help. Wow. So again, that's 800-799-SAFE. Very cool. There you go. Thank you. Let's Mm. discuss this dipshit on the other side of this musical thing. What do our dipshits think about today's dipshit? Carl fucking Watts. Yeah. Coral. What a dipshit. Coral. Absolute huge dipshit. Fucking monster. And we had to do a meter on him because he's, mm-hmm. you know, one of our monsters. And we did the danger meter. Yeah. And the notoriety meter. And obviously he's going to be super low on the notoriety meter. Mm-hmm. But danger meter time. Let's talk. Yeah. The brutality is his number one thing. Yeah. Stabbing people dozens of times. I mean, 58 in that one. I mean, that was just... <sighs> That's Imagine rage. that. I mean, that's, that's a one, rage. two, three, four, five. How so did that's he, insane. What I don't understand is as you stab, uh, people bleed. As they bleed and you continue stabbing, that blood gets everywhere. Right. How did he not end up cutting his own fingers off? Right. Losing grip yeah, of that losing thing. Losing grip. I mean, I don't. That's pure rage. That's just think insane. How, uh, I don't even want to think about it. Mm-mm. You gave him a 4.5, mm-hmm. which is pretty fair. Yeah. And this is his highest grade of everything because yeah. the criminal mind, not quite Not, not so much. He's a fucking moron. Yeah. But brutality, 4.5. Yeah. And so that's up there with the worst of the worst. Yeah. Now, cruelty, you gave him a 2.75. Well, that's because uh, his whole motivation wasn't to demoralize, wasn't to scare. It wasn't to, uh, you know take their humanity away it was just to make them stop breathing yeah that's it just in the moment it was just yeah. a momentary it was a momentary it was like a snickers bar for this fucking yeah. guy and i mean there was strangling involved which but he strangled some from behind it wasn't even about right. that intimate contact of strangulation there's only a couple times that had to do with sex yeah twice i think yeah and one that was insane mm-hmm. but cruelty 2.75 is what yeah. he gave him so not even really average he was he d- was a, almost like a hitman you know, he would just come in, hit, kill, and leave. Yeah. And Multiple times in a day sometimes. I Jesus. know. And if he came in and he attacked and it's and it didn't work, he still just was there for a short period of time and left. Mm-hmm. He just came, killed, left. Right. So the cruelty usually mm-hmm. takes time. Yeah. It's usually cruel things said or right. done. Wasn't and, even any of that except right. for Beyond, looking for Charles. Right. What a weird Fucking game. weird. So Criminal Mind, uh, he might be our dumbest fucking dumb. guy of all of the ones we've done. Fucking dumb. Yeah. It's, uh, somewhere in the, in the research, his IQ is around like 70 or some shit. It right? was, I think, 70, 75. Right. I so, think. And I didn't leave that in there because it was just... Who cares? I only found it on uh, two or three resources. There wasn't, yeah, there wasn't enough. Yeah. But it sounds like he was really dumb. Yeah. I mean, we've done, dealt with a lot of dumb fucks. Well, there is a potential there that maybe he had some damage from that meningitis. Yeah. And his polio um, right. diagnosis. Right. Um, and I didn't put it in the script, um, but... The treatments that he got, it took like a year. I think he was treated for a year for polio and meningitis. And the treatments he did receive apparently were excruciatingly painful. Mm. So much so that they had to take this eight-year-old boy and isolate him from all the other patients because Mm. of his screaming. Boy, I wonder if he blamed nurses or something. I don't see and I don't know. I'm not sure. He never never really talked. He never confessed to stuff. 
there was no like deep confession as to you know, this is my motivation this is why there was none of that it right. was just like i wanted to yikes i felt like it i mean so, his sister said there was no abuse in the family um there everyone else was fine he was just fucked right so yeah you're right though the you got to give some grace to mm-hmm. the the meningitis and to the potential he may have problems. been yeah he may have been brain damaged and it seemed like Prior to his third grade year in elementary school, he was a pretty good student, mm. um, and, and that's he when was it all a, happened. he was a pretty good kid, uh, very very loved, and he seemed fine. And then spent a year out of school. Yeah. It could have been either that or the brain it trauma. Been. Or, Who knows? But he meningitis was, does go right after certain areas in the brain. Mm-hmm. When well, he just wasn't the same after that. Hmm. Fucking a. Yeah, we still got to give him the point five. Because yeah. dumb. Yeah, fucking moron. Yeah. So we didn't even share all of the things that you found, but Mm-mm. very dumb. All right, depravity. 2.25 is what you gave him for this. Mm-hmm. So well, he, he didn't eat anybody. <clears throat> no, but he used, uh, he was kind of, it seemed to me, and it was never declared in any of the research, but it seemed to me he was an opportunistic kind of guy. Mm-hmm. So if he didn't have a weapon, he used his hands. Um, he'd, he'd use a knife from the apartment uh he'd use a screwdriver from his car he used woodworking tools he drowned somebody he used somebody's tube top yep use or a uh a trench coat yeah Yeah. i mean it was just he was an opportunistic kind of guy yeah just like i feel like killing right now i'm gonna do it how do i do it doesn't matter i'm just gonna do it with whatever i've got yikes so his whole focus was just to kill them. Yeah. So not very high as far as depravity. Right. He, has, he didn't have a plan. And he I mean, the he did uh, sexually assault a 60-plus-year-old woman with a broom handle. Yeah. Um, you know, there was... That is depraved. That was that. Why. He did strip uh, his drowning victims, except for the one that he battled with in the pool. Uh, he did strip them down and put them in the naked, but he never, he never really assaulted them now the thing that the only reason why he was a little higher in the depravity was because his attacks um we're not even talking about the you know the blitz attacks that he would do on these women who did survive it's the ones where he was breaking into women's homes and touching them inappropriately Mm -hmm. Uh, he wasn't raping them per se there was no he wasn't committing sexual acts on or with these women but he was using his hands to touch them inappropriately. So that there's depravity there. Yeah. But comparatively, he wasn't eating anyone or wearing their skin. Right. Which so. is how you get a five in our right. world. Right. So the last one that we have, we kind of call societal threat or body count to mm-hmm. be a little glib about it. But uh, he's very high. Mm-hmm. And it could have been a lot higher. Mm-hmm. So there's 16 that we kind of have given him as far as verified through him or through other sources. Well, he... But he's actual, convicted for two or three. Well, yeah. He he actually confessed to 12 murders, mm-hmm. um, but they pinned him with 16 murders. Right. There were 17 verified attacks. That people survived. That people survived. And uh, countless other breaking and enterings. Right. Where so, there's, there could be a lot that yeah, people didn't report. Exactly. So, I mean, to be a five mm-hmm. is what he was trying to be. But he ended up being a 3.75 right. with the 16. Uh, but yeah, 16 I mean, murders. Yeah. 16 murders. So very, very high there as well. Mm-hmm. So overall a 2.75. Mm-hmm. So, you know, compared to Ted Bundy, mm-hmm. uh, he's a little bit below average or whatever, but he's still super dangerous. And if you're a female and this guy yeah. was running around, he's a 5.0 plus. He's yeah. probably one of the most dangerous people See, and I for found just random violence. He was a serial killer of women, period. Yeah. Not he, one that's dude. It, he no and and he didn't discern by looks or area age it, race none of it it yeah. was just female that's yeah. it that's so he was extremely dangerous if you were living on the streets or living in Houston in the late 70s early 80s in the early 80s anyways hmm. you know what if you were a woman cowardly you were, monster i know slovenly cowardly idiot of a monster right so on to notoriety and mm-hmm. again these are we'll do this quick we have three categories again zero to five mm-hmm. uh, before the trial after the trial and infamy mm-hmm. so before anybody knew about him was there any kind of you know press about Mm-mm. this kind of patternistic killing or anything no not really i mean once they deemed him the sunday morning slasher 
um, in in Michigan. But the thing is, that was pretty much it. Mm -hmm. Um, And even that wasn't, it wasn't a correct headline. Because that was just a random thing that he did. The thing was, he was committing these crimes in Detroit, Michigan, and Houston, Texas, Mm -hmm. both with extremely high murder rates So it just got lost in the data. It did, it did. And he didn't follow any standard MO except for females. Right. You know, it was between the stabbing and the strangling and the beating and the drowning. Mm. I mean, it just didn't really follow any MO. Right. You know. And you gave him a, por- a point five. Yeah. So nobody knew about nobody this. Nobody really knew. Even with the headline, it mm-hmm. wasn't really a thing. <clears throat> so after the trial, with all the details that came out, it was a big deal, but not really huge. You gave it a 2.5. Right. Mm-hmm. So it didn't last as far as Mm-mm. anything. But what, what happened? Well, um he was convicted of these crimes and you know like we had read and we learned but really the only thing people knew about were the individuals in houston that were pretty pissed that he got this plea deal yeah uh the family members with the plea deal that's pretty much where his notoriety came from uh after the well, before the trial and, and after the trial. And did he affect because, any laws based on that? You know, I looked and I I figured he would have, but I, so, I, yeah. I didn't find anything. Hmm. I didn't find that he was um, the trigger for any of that change. Hmm. So I don't know. Frustrating. I know. <laughs> Fucking A. And then his overall infamy, he's just now starting to be known. Mm-hmm. He's a 2.0 as far as you're concerned. So yeah. 1.7 overall as far as his notoriety. Mm-hmm. But his infamy, he's not... Well, they're not going to make movies about this guy. They're no, not gonna... probably not because he was, I don't know, unfortunately, and he did kill a lot of people and he was a terrible monster. But unfortunately, there was nothing that extravagant about what he did. Yeah, he was... He was a killing machine. A That's, storyless killing machine. That was it. With no motive, really. No, no like motive. A brain tumor or some shit. Just a fucking, yeah, just a killer. That's Very it. Very sad. I know. It's a sad story just because being in the wrong place at the wrong time. Well, and and he seems to be better, getting better known in um, the communities or the the individuals that research serial killers, um, but <laughs> just it's not somebody you hear much about. Right. Well, he falls kind of in the middle of the road for mm-hmm. what we've looked at so far, mm-hmm. but still one of the more dangerous humans. It's kind of one of the worst kind of criminals. It's just a random, yeah. violent yep. explosion of, you right. know, what the fuck? We were just walking the dog. Yeah. Literally, oh, in, this, literally in, yeah. in one of the cases, yeah. And that's that's our worst fear, I think, is mm-hmm. people, when they look at their neighborhood, they're like, you know, I want my kids to be safe and stuff, but like the worst possible case scenario mm-hmm. is just murder guy An just un- around. unpredictable murder man. Yeah, yep. multiple killings mm-hmm. in a day of random people that he just... He wasn't, he wasn't a rare even, kind of serial killer. Rare, he wasn't rare. even aware enough to wipe his hands off before he attacked somebody else. Yeah, he was just in it. Yeah. That's, it's like he was in the zone. It's too bad that people couldn't have asked him <clears throat> deeper. You know, I'm sure they tried, but he couldn't give he deeper just, answers to like, what, are you, what were you thinking in the midst of it's murder like, number two on the day? Right. Well, it's like, it's almost like he just, his answers were so basic. I felt like it. Yeah. I, I wanted to, you know. It's it's um, they did interview him, but the psychiatrists, uh, the two that did interview him, knew that he was a dangerous criminal. Right, knew that he had a high rate of recommitting again. So he's you know. he's a dipshit for sure, yeah. and he's the star dipshit of the dipshit parade this mm-hmm. week. But also in the parade, I guess, would be the justice system yeah. and. I don't like to shit on police because police work is hard and their job, I mean, they can't really do it's, a lot of things we want them to do. Well, it sounded like their funding, uh, their funding was low. They didn't have low. any people, yeah. There's, it's well, you know, and the- Murder the, capital of the exactly. United States. And they're, they're like, we got eight cars exactly. for 1.1 million folk out there, bro. We're fucked. They were doing their- they, It seemed like they were doing their best. What pissed me off was our judicial system. Right. That was very, very frustrating. Um, you know, under understaffed, underfunded police department doing their best in the murder capital of the world, right. you know, um, during this period of time, tracking a man who may or may not have done something wrong, as opposed to actually getting the people that are on the streets, you know, this guy just murdered his girlfriend and this guy's, you know, shot somebody in while committing, um, you know, breaking and entering, whatever. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so they're doing their best, but the judicial system, I mean, under that circumstance, the 
they wanted to get they wanted to close the cases uh, close all these open cases so they gave him immunity and it feels like clerical just, work where it, you're like i just need to it felt it feels yeah. like i just need these to see these boxes checked and right like, what the fuck dude, yeah well no. you won't we're, we're not going to hold you accountable we just want to know what you did no we're not we're here for justice yeah. not you know expedience of i know checking boxes and that was one of the frustrating things about the research while i was reading this i was like what that's got to be that has to be probably in a similar vein to how the police were dealing you know mm-hmm. murder capital mm-hmm. they're probably i mean there's not a ton of time for a justice or a judge or whatever to deal with all this stuff i'm mm-hmm. sure i don't know the world of, of being a uh, a law decider mm-hmm. or interpreter right. or whatever the guy that says fuck you go to jail mm-hmm. i imagine that wasn't fun for well, the same reason as the police where they're like well, this is too much i've seen eighty nine thousand of these a day right. i'm tired of this shit you know well he if he was just a little bit sicker in his brain and did just a little bit sicker things to people, he would have gotten more attention and maybe the judicial system wouldn't have let him off so easy. Right. You know? That's just so weird. But just going in and just his whole focus was, you know, make make death happen. (laughs) However, it works. (laughs) Just make you dead now. That's it. And because he then and just even got in a, prison, he was a, a dipshit. They took yeah. away his points. They yeah, took away his because he go tried, to commissary anymore. He actually, yeah, went high security prison. Yeah, dude, fuck that guy. What a dummy. What a dipshit. So truly a dipshit. Yeah, and probably our dumbest dipshit <laughs> for reasons. <laughs> right, you know, it's just probably natural in nature, and it's not you know his or fault. brain damage. Who knows? Right, but it doesn't matter because you're still responsible for yourself. Who yeah, else absolutely. would be responsible for him? His parents? No. Nope. God, fuck no. No. Nope. Uh, so what a terrible piece of shit. Yeah. Sunday well, so morning. that was hmm. Carl Eugene Watts, also known as Coral. Coral the cunt. Yep. Coral the cunt. Coral the slovenly mis- misogynist. Yeah, fuck, I, don't I don't even know. I don't it's even not, know. He doesn't deserve a name. No, he doesn't. He doesn't deserve to be remembered as far as I'm concerned. Not at all. But um, so there's my script for this week. Yep, thank you. That's our subject matter. Um, it was very frustrating to research. I, uh, I had actually pulled a bunch of the research for this script when I was uh, doing my research for um, uh, Ted Bundy. Oh, really? So I set a bunch of stuff uh, aside. And so this was a lot of my research was has been done over the past however many weeks, mm. couple, month or so. So how did, how did he come on to your uh, how did he become <laughs> part of your radar system? I, I well, I'd heard about him uh, a while back, but I knew nothing about him until I started looking into um demographics and um, statistics, serial killer statistics when I was doing the Ted Bundy research and he came up then. Right. And I really didn't know anything about him. So I pulled a couple of articles and set it aside and then uh, decided to look into it because it came up again in statistics again Mm -hmm. and said, I need to find out more about this guy. I see. So I did a little bit of research with Ted Bundy, not much at all, but I pulled some articles and then in the uh, part two, uh, I also pulled more there and just basically put them in a file and then I pulled them up. There's um, not a lot of guys like this. I mean, He's just a killing machine. Yeah. He is a mindless robot killing machine just going out and doing it. And there's not really any kind of cathartic no, moment in his there's life. There's nothing. There's this. This. Maybe when he was sick, the nur- I'm think the nurses or something, he, he associated know. the pain with. I don't know. This this script left me wanting. This whole subject matter left me wanting because it was like, oh my god, that that and and that's it. How do we not? But we that's more, that's all. More information. I need. I want to know more about this guy. I mean, there's all kinds of little random things we could talk about. Right. They think that he may have committed his first murder before 15, mm. but I don't know where they get that idea. Hmm. He never admitted to it. Might be there's like a family no, member saying, oh, we thought he killed Maybe, but Timmy. there's there's no evidence. There's no name. So, I mean, I couldn't put that in there. Right. So, I don't know. I'm not sure. This has just kind of left me wanting, but this is where we're at. All right. Well, 2.7, dipshit, very dangerous, mm-hmm. very piece of shit-ish. Yeah. 
Uh, thank you guys for listening. Yeah. This is the part where we thank you guys. Yeah, thank you. Uh, thank you to our trusted turd triad for yes. all the work that they do for us. Mm-hmm. Don, every fucking day in the shitbox. Yep. You guys got to be on the shitbox if you're going to be uh, on the yeah, Facebooks. Absolutely. Uh, but also the Discord Dookie Slayer, Chris. Yep. Conversations you, always going and popping in the Discord. Yeah, it's a fun place. If, yeah. you're, if you're a fan of Scatcast and you mm-hmm. don't want to talk about other shit and you just mm-hmm. want to be around other people that like Scatcast... Uh, all sorts of cool shit. Every show has their own little segment. Yeah. There's lots of ways to interact with the well, coolest all kinds of, fucking people on was, the internet, man. I was going to say there's great memes in there. Yep. And there's a, there's actually a channel in there that's general and random. So mm-hmm. you can talk about whatever you want with yeah. these people. So it's, it's a good place to be. I, I love it because I'm a huge fan of memes. Mm-hmm. I, that's where I get most of the comedy that I embrace, that I, eat mm-hmm. these days to fuel my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a fan of the memes. I think mm-hmm. that's where the hardcore comedy has gone over yeah. the years is right into memes. And we've got some fucking pro level memers <laughs> collectors of the meme. Yep. And in discord. Yep. And, uh, and on, and, and in, in the, the shit box. box. Yeah. yeah. That's really where I end up finding most of my meme is in mm-hmm. the shit box and mm-hmm. they collect a wonderful amount. And we've got some <laughs> that we know by name where it's like, what did they post? I it's know. gotta be good. They, yep. co- they have a similar There's kind of several in thirst there. for that sort of humor. But, uh, and then of course, Bodhi. Yes, uh, thank you, Bodhi. Oh, oh, we got one of his scripts coming up. Yes. Yes, we do. It's going to be in the next couple, I'm mm-hmm. sure. And so we're always excited for those. Our last one with him was rad. Yes. And it, it definitely saves us a fucking yeah, Elizabeth hell of a lot Bettori. of work. Too. So big thanks to him. If you like the dipshit files, he's helping to fuel that with yes, his he efforts is. big time. Mm-hmm. Also, big thanks to the Godhead, mm-hmm. one of the coolest groups on the internet, I think. And, yeah. and to the Garbage Disposal, yeah. which is more and more fun every day. Mm-hmm. Lots and lots of people joining in there. And there's just lots of fun. Yeah. So, we thank you guys all thank for you. your Thanks, efforts everybody. in helping grow this crazy show. And mm-hmm. it's working. It seems yeah. to be working. I'm not paying attention to numbers because I just want to make the art. Yeah. And I'm focused and obsessed at this point. And <laughs> He's compelled, kind of like, you know, with Chinese food. Yeah. I just drove there. Fried rice. It's a week since then for us. <laughs> I'm like, should I go get Chinese food? I know. Anyway? I'm like, that no. A, that a part of town that I don't belong in? No, no, I, no, I'm no. Not, I never go there anyway. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you guys. All, always info at scatcast.com if you have any suggestions or mm-hmm. if you want to tell us that we're neat or that we suck. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, you can go to scatcast.com for all the dipshit files merch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can hear a cat in the background. <laughs> uh, she wants some merch, but she's not on any of the merch. It's, the her, files it's, it's her, her kitty butthole that, uh, you know, started all of this. Is the model. So of- basically. It's all her merch. Yeah. It's yeah. all Lucy's merch. Because she's the one that had the butthole yep. in all her faces all the time. Yeah, absolutely. Although her sister also was a yep, butthole was a in the butthole face. was a butthole shower. It's basically, that's the cat tradition in the family. Yeah, it's, yeah. Like, it's like, here's my butt. Hi, nice to meet you. Here's my butt. Here's an unsavory thing for you to look at <laughs> while you're eating, working, just sleeping. chilling, sleeping. I'm putting it on your laptop, on the countertops. <laughs> Kitty buttholes everywhere. All over your pillow. Thanks a lot, Luz. <laughs> but you can go to scatcast.com and get all the dipshit files merch. We've got mugs and shirts, and mm-hmm. we've got probably some sort of other weird thing that yeah, you're like, why do they have that? Yeah, but I know. There it is. A dipshit files toothbrush. That's right. And of course, <laughs> patreon.com. The p- toothbrush. I'm sounds, just kidding. I'm just, just kidding. Just dipshit in your face. You're like, I got my teeth. <laughs> but uh, also the Patreon, of course, mm-hmm. patreon.com forward slash scatcast. That is the best direct way to yeah. support us besides buying beard and ball hair oil from Dr. <laughs> Shmoby. I think yeah, that's also rivaling that. The Patreon is a really good place to, to support all the things that we do. And yep. there's behind the scenes stuff in there. And At this point, just moment, a little bit of everything. Here's what it's like if you join Patreon today. Yeah. Now, if you if you give us a dollar, we say thank you very much. And mm-hmm. that adds up. That's 12 bucks a year. And mm-hmm. that's no that's not bullshit. Right. We appreciate that. $5 a year is kind of where you, that's the sweet spot. Mm-hmm. And you can go up from there and there's some various things. But the $5 gets you a fuckload of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, at this point, there's 40 episodes of the Inside Scooper, mm-hmm. which is Monique and I doing what we do here. Yeah. But doing it about chickens. And yeah. <laughs> concerts and and yeah uh, all these just weird our things. weird fucking life that we have yeah if you're interested in scatcast and like who are these people behind yeah. scatcast that's the show where we answer all those things right and you also get uh lots of little mini skit scats mm-hmm. uh up until 20 episode 20 it was inside the scatcast cast meetings mm-hmm. which was my attempt at doing another version of inside my mind mm-hmm. uh so you get to hear all those voices doing yeah. random things uh, it's very meta. Yeah, but you really... I stopped it with like Timberwolves in the office and I, know, I was like, was all right, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> what were you going to say? I was going to say, you really get to know the uh, the characters 
personal lives, right. you know, right. uh, the actors mm. that play these characters, you get to kind of know what they're like. And becomes a funny little extra yeah, dumb thing. I don't kinda, know. I don't know. It's kind of weird. I don't know. But then there's also things like the David Angus extra. Mm-hmm. But then after about episode 20 or 21, mm-hmm. I was like, fuck it. I'm going to do little mini skits cats yeah. of Gunnar Halifax, Liam the Monster Hunter, Time Traveling Jesus, mm-hmm. and Post-Apocalyptic uh, and all that stuff so that I can make those the first things to animate. Yeah. So it was giving me a chance to like, all right. Three minutes is probably, mm-hmm. we can probably afford to pump out those in the future. Yeah. You know, that's, so if you want to hear what the future cartoons will be, potentially, mm-hmm. that's where those are in the right. inside scooper, in the Patreon. And there's 40 episodes with all the shit. They're mm-hmm. usually over an hour long, uh, the first 15 minutes or so, 12, 15 minutes mm-hmm. is skit scats. And then it's Monique and I talking about our chickens and, yeah, our, weird life. and our weird life. Plus and, there's you know, also there's, the multi-pass, which gets you bonus Gunner Halifax yeah. shit and stuff. There's the there's discount. A merch discount. There's tons of shit. There's all kinds of stuff. And, that's and I follow bucks. and I follow him around sometimes and and put up behind the scenes videos when he's you know least expecting it. And that's right. You see him in weird situations. There's been a bunch of them, and I'm <laughs> I'm awkward in all of them. It's uh, who would want such a thing? So, apparently, several of you because that's that's after like the ten dollar thing or something. Yeah, yeah. But we appreciate all of you. There's up to a hundred dollars in there if you'd like to treat Scatcast like a utility. If that's how you feel about what we're doing here, mm-hmm. there's a few of you doing it already, and we appreciate you guys so anyway patreon.com forward slash scatcast mm-hmm. that is the best way to support us all right and as always we'll talk at you in the future and it'll seem like the present see you next week bye bye <laughs>